special time of year filled with warm memories and traditions that we hold near and dear to our hearts. Uh, But in northern France in the year 1914, the scene was different. The war to end all wars had just started a few months earlier. And describing this war, a 19-year-old Irishman who served as a second lieutenant in the British Army described it this way. He said, the frights, the cold, the smell of the high explosive... As he described it, he said, the horribly smashed men still moving like half-crushed beetles, the sitting or standing corpses, the landscape of sheer earth without a blade of grass, the boots worn day and night till they seemed to grow on your feet. That was not the writing that the world would grow to expect from C.S. Lewis, but those were his words as he saw with his own eyes the horrors of the First World War. Along the northern French border, there was a particularly notorious stretch of land called No Man's Land. It was the space between the German and British trenches, and the space between them along this stretch of land would range anywhere from 100 to 400 yards, and those trenches became the homes of thousands of soldiers. And as the sun began to set on Christmas Eve 1914, Albert Morin of the 2nd Queen's Regiment described the night this way. He said, it was a beautiful moonlit evening, frost on the ground, white almost everywhere. But there was a lot of commotion in the German trenches. And then there were those lights. I did not know what they were. But he said, and then they sang Silent Night. He said, I shall never forget it. It was one of the highlights of my life. Imagine being in some of the worst conditions imaginable fighting in what was called the war to end all wars, when silent night, holy night, comes dancing across frozen mud, fallen soldiers, in a war-torn land. The lights that the British saw across the fields turned out to be candlelit Christmas trees in the German trenches. Then the Germans began yelling in broken English, English soldiers, English soldiers, happy Christmas, no shoot tonight, sing tonight. You no shoot, we no shoot. Then, slowly, troops began to come out of their trenches, and a truce began to form. Slowly but surely, thousands of men that were once fearing for their lives now entered into no man's land and began to celebrate. And on Christmas Day, they gathered illegally to sing, exchange what meager gifts they had of cigars and pudding and boxes of chocolate, and talk as best they could. One British soldier gave a German soldier a haircut. They played soccer on the, fall, on the frozen ground, and they took the opportunity to bury their dead. As history records, they conducted joint funeral services, which moved both sides profoundly. The whole scene was absolutely astounding. Captain Sir Edward Hulse of the Scots Guard commented, if I had seen it in a cinematic film, I would have sworn it was faked. In the middle of the horror of the Great War, a miraculous truce dawned on the birthday of the Prince of Peace. And this story vividly reminds us of the power of what we're celebrating tonight, even though that truce only lasted for a short day. You see, the season has meaning that transcends the grief and the pain that often accompany the holidays. This season 
has meaning that transcends the commercialism. It transcends the giving and getting of gifts and all the busyness and all the parties and all that goes along with it. This season is all about Jesus. And this evening, I'd like to take a few minutes to revisit and ponder Luke 2, verses 8 through 14, as we consider the birth of our Savior. As we take a few moments this evening to consider this passage, what we first notice is the display of God's glory. I'd like to reread verse number 9 of Luke chapter 2. The Bible said, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. One pastor described the glory of God this way. He said, it's the glory of God is his, it's the, his greatness, his beauty, and his worth put on display. I want you to picture yourself as one of those shepherds this evening. You're out camping with some coworkers. You're on the night shift, taking turns, watching the sheep. It's quiet. You're out in the field. You can feel the night air blowing in your face. Perhaps you would lie on your back and just stare up at the thousands of stars. And in the middle of that peaceful moment, the silence is split wide open by the appearance of an angel. The once dark night is now filled with blinding light coming around all directions. And a messenger from heaven instantly appears in front of you and fear strikes your heart. It's no wonder that they were terrified. We like to picture this as a serene moment of festive tranquility, but in truth, it was a terrifying experience. It's the glory of God being put on display. But if you're to go back a few verses in Luke chapter 2, if you're going to go back to Luke 2, 6, we see the glory of God being put on display in an even more profound way. Luke 2, 6 says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, you may say that a baby being born is a bit more normal that doesn't seem as earth-shattering as the appearance of an angelic being in an angelic host. But consider John 1.14. The Apostle John said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed His glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The beauty and majesty and worth and power and dignity of God were displayed through this infant. Jesus became a physical man so that we could see the glory of God put on display. As much as the light shining and the angels speaking were a display of God's glory, it all pales in comparison to what takes place in verse number 6. God became a man. The Apostle John tells us that those who saw this man, those who saw Jesus, saw the glory of God. Jesus was the personification of all the worth, all the beauty, and all the truth of God. The Bible tells us that he was the very image of God because he was God. The song we just sang a few moments ago says, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel, God with us. The display of his glory. Jesus is the display of God's glory because Jesus was God on display. But this evening, I also want to notice not just the display of God's glory, but also the message of God's glory. Whenever a person sees the glory of God, it produces fear. But then I want you to notice the very first thing the angels said. They said, don't be afraid. You see, the message of God's glory was not a message of fear, but of joy. 
The angel had not come to pronounce judgment, but deliverance. The message of God's glory is the gospel of Jesus Christ. His life and ultimate death and resurrection were what were bringing us life. And as the angels came to announce this to the shepherds, they were announcing the gospel. The gospel message is the message of God's glory. It's God's gift to us. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. God has made the greatest gift ever imagined available to all people. This gift is made available because of grace, Ephesians tells us. God loved us so much, he refused to sit by and do nothing while sin wreaks havoc in our lives. He refuses to do nothing while his creation literally sends itself to hell. You see, in love, the entire trinity was moved into action. God the Father was appeased by the sacrifice of God the Son, and then it's the Holy Spirit who regenerates our hearts so that we can be saved. In his love... Because of grace, he presents us with the message of his glory, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But just like the gifts you're going to open tomorrow morning, you have to accept God's gift. This is where the faith comes in that we see in Ephesians chapter 2. You are saved by grace through faith. It's faith that leads you to believe Jesus is God and he is the only way to experience forgiveness of sins. It's faith that causes you to place your hope and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. It's faith that leads you to to realize and recognize the truth that Jesus is Lord. Faith in Jesus is you accepting his gift of salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The book of Romans goes to great lengths to help us understand that there's no distinction between persons. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. It doesn't matter if you're what the world says is a good person or a bad person. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friend, if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, let me plead with you to consider Jesus this evening. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because God is good and God is just, he cannot allow sin to go unpunished. Evil must be dealt with. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there's none righteous, not even one. You might think, well, I'm not that bad. I think I'm good enough to get into heaven. My good outweighs my bad. But this verse tells us that none of us are good enough to merit eternal life. All of us stand guilty before God. But in his grace and in his mercy and in his love, God has provided a way for our sin to be dealt with and our restoration. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas. Like Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but God doesn't leave us there. To face the just consequences of our actions, no, in his love, the Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. When we acknowledge our need to be saved and call out to Jesus to save us, the Bible promises he will save us. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, let me encourage you, see any one of us that are up here or the person that invited you, we'd love to open up the Bible and show you these verses and help you know who Jesus is and help you Know how you can place your faith and trust 
in Jesus and experience forgiveness of sin. Salvation is a wonderful gift that God has given to us. And here's the beauty of this gift. Every day we can by faith enjoy it and celebrate it. And it gives us every day hope. And every day it allows us to know and to experience God and enjoy Him forever. This isn't just a one and done gift. This is a, I receive this gift and then by faith the rest of my life I experience it and I enjoy it. The message of God's glory is the gospel of Jesus Christ which tells us we can be reconciled back to God. Christmas is all about the glory of God and it's his glory to save sinners. So in Luke 2 we see the display of God's glory. We see the message of God's glory. But lastly I want to look at the carol of God's glory. Verses 13 and 14 of Luke 2 say, Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel. Heavenly hosts, that, that, that's heaven's army. So all of God's army, all of his angelic warriors instantly show up on this already terrifying scene, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. After the angel shares this message, we see a multitude of heavenly hosts. They show up. And they begin praising God. They start singing. You see, the glory of God always leads to the praise of God. A life that has, impact, that has been impacted by Jesus cannot help but sing. And so as we consider the message of Christmas this evening, as we consider the fact that God became a man, sit with that for a minute. The almighty, powerful creator of the universe. That video we watched at the beginning described it so well. The poem that Gabe read describes it so well. The omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe became a man. As we consider that, that man then died for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. As we consider that he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave three days later. He conquered sin. He conquered death and then gives us his righteousness. As we sit with that this evening, how can we do anything but sing? The glory of God always leads to the praise of God. So let's be a people who sing. This is why we have so many songs this season that tell about his birth. This is why we sing songs that were written hundreds of years ago, and this is why we sing songs that were written this year, because for all of eternity, we could just sing of the praises and the goodness of God. And in just a moment, we're going to do just that. We're going to sing and we're going to praise Emmanuel, God with us. But before we do, we want to take a few moments and remember the reason that Jesus was born. And that was to die. God has given the church an ordinance to help us to remember the reason for his coming. And that ordinance is communion, the Lord's table. And as we remember and celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, we also want to remember and thank him for his sacrifice for us. And so as we enter into this ordinance, as we partake in communion, we have a moment where we confess our sin. And in, as we confess our sin, we acknowledge, we proclaim our great need for Jesus. We confess our sin and we acknowledge our need for him. And as we partake in the elements, we also remember his great love and we proclaim his great forgiveness and we, we remind ourselves that we are washed clean. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of corporate prayer.
After I finish praying, we'll also go into a time of silent prayer and reflection, and then we'll partake of the elements. Bow your heads with me, if you would. Search us, God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our concerns. See if there's any offensive way in us and lead us as your church, your body, into the everlasting way. Lord, cleanse us from our hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servants from willful sins. Do not let them rule us. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we have no merit, but we know that the merits of Jesus stand for us. We are undeserving, but we look toward your tender mercy. We're full of infirmities, wants, and sins, but you are full of grace. We confess our sin, our frequent sin, our willful sin. All these sins we mourn and lament. We are a fading leaf that the wind drives away. But you have given us another master and Lord, your son, Jesus. And now our hearts are turned towards holiness. Save us from the love of the world and the pride of life from everything natural to fallen man, and let Christ's nature be seen in us every day. Work in us a more profound and abiding repentance. Give us the fullness of a godly grief that trembles and fears, yet also trusts and loves, which is always powerful and always confident. Grant that through tears of repentance, we may see more clearly the brightness and glories of the saving cross. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me encourage you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed as we go into a time of personal examination and prayer. Psalm 38 and Psalm 51 are great psalms if you would like a guide to pray through. But let's pray. In a few moments, I'll read some scripture and we will partake of the elements. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I'm going to invite at this time our deacons, Red Keller Halls and Jeremy Goldsboro, to make their way towards the front here. 
In just a moment, they're going to dismiss us row by row to come to the front, receive the bread and the cup. Uh, they're going to start at the front and then work their way towards the back. If you're on the side rows, just kind of eyeball it. When the center row is dismissed, you can make your way up towards the front as well. Uh, when your row is dismissed, please exit on the outside. Come and get your elements, and then you can make your way back to your seat down the center aisle and partake of the elements as you're seated. We do ask that only professing believers in Jesus partake of communion. So if you're here this evening and you have not yet placed your faith and trust in Christ, we'd invite you to just watch. That's okay. If you have more questions about that afterwards, again, we'd love to talk to you. Uh, if you also have unsaved children with you this evening, we do ask that they not partake as well. Uh, as a fellow parent, let me encourage you to use this as a teaching opportunity to share the gospel with your children. Uh, but if you do have believing children, we would encourage them to partake and use this as a teaching moment for them as well. I'm going to invite at this time Jeremy Goldsboro to pray for this evening's communion. And then after he prays, they'll begin dismissing us. Jeremy. Heavenly Father, what a privilege tonight to gather, Lord, with brothers and sisters and celebrate the greatest gift of all time. And God, we, Lord, are just beginning to understand and realize, Lord, what we've been given in Jesus. And Lord, we spend our days, Lord, discovering more and more of what you've given us and who you've given us. And God, we're, we're so grateful tonight. Lord, thank you that hope was born, taking the form of a baby who would grow and live and then ultimately die 